Alright, hello and welcome back to another live recorded video edition of the Right the Radio podcast. As always, I am Matt Maritea. We're brought to you here by Last Out Media, despite not being able to be in the studio right now, as <laughs> always. We are them, they are us. With me, as always, is Bobby Dubs, a.k.a. Robo oh, no. the Writer, a.k.a. Young Spud. <laughs> All that good stuff. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as always, helping bring the dulcet tones to the conversation. You know, uh, my favorite line from Jay-Z is, they call me a lot of names, some to my face. <laughs> well, the Jigga Man has, I, he has had many names, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, Jay-Z, Jigga. <laughs> Beyonce's husband. Beyonce's husband. <laughs> Mr. Knowles. No. <laughs> that guy Solange beat up that one time. <laughs> And with us today is our special guest, Jingle Joe Passero. Now, Joe <laughs> is our NASCAR guy, probably the person I know that's the most knowledgeable about the sport. Also, probably one of the biggest fans of Survivor I've ever met with an equal knowledge base. And he has prepared to outwit, outlast, damn, what was the other one? Outplay. Outplay. <laughs> the competition. Yeah, yeah. On and off the racetrack, Joe. How you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? You're doing good. Yeah. Thanks doing for well. having me. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this during the winter, except I've had no NASCAR to talk about. No sports. <laughs> NASCAR is the only sport that I follow. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been been dry, but it's race week again. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in terms of it being race week, I guess it technically starts today with the Bush Class. Can you explain? exactly what that is yeah so the bush clash is an exhibition race that uh, only select drivers compete in. it's invitational and every year the uh the way that you become eligible to compete in the race varies uh this year it's a lot of 2020 winners all the playoff drivers uh you have some former daytona 500 poll winners some former daytona 500 winners uh, so we're going to have 21 cars on track tonight. Uh, and, and this is really just for fun. This is one of those races where it's, you bring home the checker, you bring home the steering wheel and you don't really want any other part in it. Um, one, we move out of tonight, uh, tonight's race one, the Bush clash tomorrow is qualifying for the Daytona 500. And then you have uh, two more exhibition races to set the lineup for the Daytona 500. Uh, and then, of course, the Daytona 500 itself on Sunday. Now, in, in terms of what this race can accomplish or what advantage it might have for a driver, is it just getting to be in the car uh, on a Tuesday Uh you know, are there rules around that depending on, you know, how much you can adjust between here and then? Yeah, so uh, this Speed Week is a little bit different because this is actually the first time where the Bush Clash has not been held on the Oval. So this is the first year that NASCAR is going to hold the Clash on the Daytona Road Course, uh, which up until last August, NASCAR had never raced the Cup Series on. So... In that sense, there's no immediate advantage because the, the duels, all the rest of the week is going to be on the oval course. The, you know, 31 degrees of banking, 200 miles an hour, that that type of drafting style racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no immediate advantage co- to competing today. Um, you know, I think obviously it is good to be behind the wheel of a race car. But what I'm more interested in to see is, uh, two weeks out from now. So originally there was a race in California that was scheduled. California local uh, COVID restrictions did not allow NASCAR to go back to the racetrack. So it was replaced by the Daytona road course for a points race. So tonight, I think for those 20 drivers is not going to have an immediate advantage in the Daytona 500, but I do expect their to be an advantage that comes into play two weeks from now once the season is fully underway uh, and they do have that points race at the road course. 
All right. That that's definitely going to play an interesting role in it. And we have uh, our fourth member of the crew here today, just fresh from being behind the wheel himself. Exactly. Rob Coming Manoff. up along the side. Yeah. <laughs> Still the race is Rob Manoff. I wasn't driving like NASCAR. I tried. They don't, they don't have much 95 traffic on those races, though, do they? Uh, yeah, you, no. had make, you had to make a right turn. Yeah, don't make a right turn. That'll actually tonight. Tonight, that's okay because we're making left and right turns tonight. The rest of the week, let's just stick to left turns. Exactly. Now, uh, I know we both watched. I'd rather just not drive. And play the <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I know you and I were both watching the 24 hour Rolex race that was at Daytona. Now, yeah. that was, uh, I guess, a race for the Robs here that was. Basically, did you see the movie Ford versus Ferrari? Yeah. yeah. So, I, modern, I haven't modern seen day it version of that, only, you know, with, you know, the craziest cars, right? There was like Team Mercedes, Team Cadillac, Toyotas, you know, but everything was the absolute top of the line. Every crazy race car version you can imagine they built. So... I guess my question to Joe is how much of a difference is it going to be from what we just watched with that in terms of once they get the stock cars, as you say, onto the track? Okay. So I I think definitely the first big difference is the fact that the NASCAR circuit is a little bit different. It's configured a little bit differently. So coming out of the oval turn four, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, during the Rolex, that was just a straight shot. You'd make a slight turn through the tri-oval, and that would take you to the start-finish line. Uh, Once you come off in NASCAR, well, you're going to come off of turn four, and there's actually going to be another chicane. So there's going to be a slight left and then a hard right that's going to lead you back onto that straight uh, to take you to the start-finish line. I think that's the first big difference. Uh, The second one, obviously, the cars are so different. Uh, You know, these NASCAR stock cars, uh, they are not, you know, they're special built and they're highly specialized, but they are not as highly specialized as what you would see in the Rolex 24. These cars are a lot heavier. Uh, They're not as aerodynamically slick. They're not producing as much downforce. So you're going to have a lot slower uh, corner center speeds. Uh, and that's going to create longer lap times. You're also going to notice, uh, I think these cars are going to produce uh, a little bit less of a wake uh, for drafting. I don't think the draft is going to be a uh, a particularly big factor in tonight's race. Um, overall, I think a similar style of racing, but you're definitely looking at slower cars here. All right, so this leaves me with two questions. You just... Did a this thing with your hand and use the term <laughs> chicane? Is that yes. is that where chicanery comes from? Is it like um, a term? I, I don't know. So chicane generally, uh, you know, speaking in terms of racing, a chicane is basically a uh, a, a real quick series of turns, like two turns. So you know, you'll you'll turn the car one way and turn the car right right back. Um, so it. That might be. I'm not very good with uh, the English language. You know, I took Latin for four years, so I, I would hope that I'm better. But uh, I don't know about the derivative of that word. Mm-hmm. And then my I next question. I thought it was the, the girl who did the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, can I ask you a question real quick? I'm not going to get off track like I usually do, but Matt, oh, where hard. exactly are you? Like, I'm in are my you in a movie part. theater? I mean, he's got the tone you set. Like that are watching on our our live. He's got the tone set. It's dim. I'm surprised you didn't have a glass are of you wine. Like some throwing, candles or something. Throwing some mood music. Working on your <laughs> It's like that. Uh, it's like that Edison bulb thing going on. But one of them is out, so the whole thing is a little bit darker than it would be. And I don't know, you only have like two lights two in your whole basement. Pocket windows. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's I mean, nice I'm into medium it, I lighting. I think it complements my skin tone. <laughs> nah. All right. Well, you, you get back to Joe now. <laughs> you, you got him started and all that. Uh, 
Kamala you know, I, I'm, I'm actually also Rob. Just for, for you, I'm not wearing shoes today, so I'm not as matchy matchy as I normally would be. Because you were taking feet pics. We already talked about this. exactly. That's that's for the OnlyFans. Well, for the only you who want Matt Mayer taking feet pics, OnlyFans feet pics. Wearing shoes. You know, I'm trying to build up a backlog of content so I can just sort of release it without having to be pressured <laughs> to do new things. How many new now, things can you do? Well, you know, <laughs> All right, we get back you, start, to you start using your feet, they, they slowly develop. You know, you learn new skills over time. Get back to racing. Now, one thing my feet certainly know how to do is press the gas and brake pedals. And in terms of having an advantage uh, in this race coming up, uh, Hendrix Motorsports, uh, as we discussed before in the Rolex 24, they participated in that race. Does that give them, uh, I guess, a unique look in terms of what to expect tonight? So, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure how much of an advantage they actually gained out of the Rolex 24. One of the things, uh, Chase Elliott, I sat in on those press conferences that we were talking about uh, that were happening uh, for the past two days, three days. And one of the things that really seemed to come up was a lot of A, Chase Elliott, and B, his off-season racing. And that included the Rolex 24. He was a part of uh, the Cadillac team. And... You know, I, I'm not really sure how much of an advantage he actually gained from that. I think, of course, there's expe the experience advantage. He's still a young driver, despite now being your reigning champion. Uh, he's still a young driver, and getting into the seat of really any race car can only make you a better driver. Uh, you know, as far as tonight goes... I've always been know. curious. <laughs> Oh no, I see circles on the screen. I think, uh, think Maratea froze so, out. Oh god, it says I'm having trouble no, connecting. I see, this is often caused by an unstable internet connection. If you're on your Wi-Fi, try plugging into your router or moving closer. So it's you, not me? I don't know whose Wi-Fi is the problem. I also don't know if everybody else is it's talking probably not. But this is live? I don't know. It's probably mine. So I'm going to log off because I'm It's not you, though, Rob. Right? It's awful. All right. Well, then I'll stay hang no, on and we'll keep it Maybe being that was a mistake. <laughs> I will say this. Reset your router. <laughs> Streaming art is just funny like that. Uh, uh, we got a comment <laughs> from my pal Shane Cadle. It's a big. Uh, he lives in uh, Tennessee, so that's kind of down there where he's a big uh, NASCAR fan. He's also big in the golf and things like that. But All I right. remember my first introduction to NASCAR was in high school. I had an anatomy physiology teacher, and he absolutely loved it. I mean, he, he was cool with football and all that stuff, but he was like, and he'll tell you, he's a hick. He's from upstate Pennsylvania, like up there near Scranton. He said, look, I will tell you right now, I'm a hick. I go hunting, I like, and I like NASCAR. But he introduced me to his favorite guy was Kevin Harvick. That was his guy. And right. I started watching it. I started getting in it. I liked Harvick and, you know, some of the other guys, Dale Jr. or whatever. But that was my first introduction in it. And it was weird because I think it was the other day, you were either in the chat, Joe, or you referred to the Daytona 500 as kind of like your Super Bowl. He was like, my, my thing starts next week. And he would say that every February. Like for the four yeah. years I had, he would go, Well, my Super Bowl's next week when the day yeah. 500. <laughs> yeah, that's uh I, I don't know. I guess the, you know, the the expression the Super Bowl of stock car racing, uh that, that's really the best comparison you can make. It's a little strange because the Daytona five hundred does kick off the season. It is not the championship event. Whereas to most sports, uh their championship event is their biggest one. You think of the World Series, the the Super Bowl itself. Uh, you know, NASCAR, they kick off the season in grand fashion. Um, you know, so it, it's always – there's a meme that goes around. It's a picture of Dale Earnhardt, and he, it says, uh, it's Super Bowl weekend, son. That means it's only one week till Daytona. Um, and so, you know, I think that best expresses the feeling that goes through most NASCAR 
uh, fans uh, during this time of year is like, okay, you know, we got the Super Bowl and we're going to watch it. We're we're next. Now it's our, now it's our turn. And we finally get the spotlight. That's cool. That's cool. uh, I was going to get into uh, predictions for the, for the Daytona 500. I know uh, a couple of people are favorite. Did you have a, a prediction of who you thought was going to take it home this year? You know, I, 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 this is a really tricky question because I feel like I need to have a prediction, but at the same time, Daytona is far too unpredictable, um, which makes it really hard. I think you're, if you're looking for betting as far as a favorite, I think your favorite has to be Denny Hamlin. He's won the last two Daytona 500s. Yeah, he, he, he is the, he is the odds on favorite. Yeah, he, he must be. Chase I, Elliott. Yeah, uh, Chase Elliott. You know, I'm, I'm not as uh, confident on Chase Elliott. You know, I know he knows the restrictor plate racing well at Daytona and Talladega, and he's got to win at Dega. Um, but I don't know. He just hasn't found the same success at Daytona uh, other than qualifying and the uh, the the duel the other exhibition races um I, I certainly expect chase to be a contender tonight on the road course chase has won the last four road course races in nascar but um i don't know about the daytona 500 uh, i actually on i don't know if i'd call him an underdog i like william byron as well for the daytona 500 he won uh his dual race on the daytona oval last year he also won the most recent points race at Daytona, the Coke Zero 400, which was last August. So I like him as well. Uh, but I, I don't know. I find it really hard to go against Denny Hamlin. He, he's probably been the best driver at Daytona over the last decade. Yeah, you're right. I would uh, I, don't, I would ask you a question, but I, I don't know anything. Are they got fans down there? You know? What's that? Yeah, so I they do, they do have, fans have down there. Yeah, they're gonna have a limited capacity. I don't know the for the exact number. This is actually gonna be the first Daytona 500 that is not a full sellout crowd of 101,000 uh, since they finished redoing the speedway back in 2016. So uh, a little sad in that matter that that streak ends, but uh, I do know that they're gonna have I think between 25 and 30 percent capacity. Um, and online earlier, they were actually asking fans to uh, to insert themselves on a, a panorama of the front stretch, and they want, like, uh, cardboard cutouts, I guess, uh, in the stands as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it'll be different. You know, I, I think, especially with the Daytona 500, you know, there's a lot of fanfare and a whole lot that goes into the race. You know, you don't just go down there for a day. Uh, that's one of those things events that you travel down there and you want to be around for an entire week or even two weeks in some cases, um, you know, to really yeah, get the full experience. That's what I heard. I heard there, um, <clears throat> it's a good party time too. Oh yeah. yeah. I've been down there like during around that time, like, uh, mm-hmm. like been down to Daytona beach. Like I, sorry for me, our, the hotel I stayed in was literally across the street from the racetrack. Yeah, so like right, right across the street from the racetrack, there's like this little small hotel, and we were staying there. And you can hear them rubbing the engines and going around and practicing and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, just when you go down to the beach and and, and all that area, it's just it's a whole thing, man. It's it's, it's a really cool scene. People are real laid back. They're, they're having a ball. Yeah, I like to uh, I like to pair it actually. I like to do Daytona. And then I like to go to uh, Orlando and do all the theme parks and <laughs> do all that fanfare. So I, I'll usually spend like two weeks at a time in Florida uh, once or twice a year. Um, didn't get to do that last year, obviously, because I don't know if you guys heard there's this thing. It's called a pandemic and it's uh, wreaking uh, havoc yeah, on society. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm hoping I get to do that this, uh, this summer. I don't know what you're talking about. Universal or Disney World? Disney World, hands down. Disney World. What's the matter with you? You asking these type questions? I mean, I don't know. I sometimes people who do not get what can favor Universal. I'm not one of them, but <laughs> I'm not one of them. good. Yeah, I, I don't know. For me, Universal. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
I like going to Universal. I think it's very exciting. And as a big Harry Potter fan, I like how immersive the Wizarding World is. But there's just something about Disney. You know, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about it. <laughs> because there's always just I'm a Harry there's Potter great thing beautiful tomorrow, shining at the end of every day when you're there. Disney. You go. Uh, fun fact, there actually used to be a racetrack on Walt Disney World property. It was called the Walt Disney World Speedway. It was outside of the Ticket and Transportation Center, and they ripped it up in 2015, I want to say, and I have been crying ever since. Yeah, you used to be able to Did have... Did you do like, the test track? Love test track. That's actually that's probably my favorite ride, is test track. Yeah. I like going in and making the cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, this is going to be my time to go. Um, I got to go to class. My life sucks, just for everybody knows. It's all right. I, I have class earlier, man, so I know how you feel. I'm, I'll be in studio tomorrow. If anyone's watching, I'm actually going to be covering the game during class, too. Don't tell anybody. Um, so I'll be pre-game and post-game. But, you know, with the Sixers, and then hopefully we'll stay and, you know, I'll be tweeting and stuff. So you can look out for me. Um, and that's all I got. Oh, and the NBA All-Star game is stupid. They shouldn't have it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was going to ask you that later, but thank you, Rob, for giving us your uh, your opinion. Yeah, on that's the yeah they, they, it's an awful idea. So, all right, guys. Make sure you find him at Manoff yeah. RM on Twitter, Rob Manoff on Instagram, or, you know. 22. What happened? Matter tell you, it disappeared again. There he's he is. Here, he's here, he's here. I, just yeah, gotta, I just gotta take him out of timeout. That's all. Yeah, all types <laughs> of technical difficulties today, huh? Well, as we referred to it a little bit earlier, and, you know, they call it the Daytona 500. It's like they some allude to it as the Super Bowl, or it's right after the Super Bowl. But we did just have a Super Bowl. It was you know, not a big – I guess it was a big surprise that it was so one-sided. Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl 31-9. Tom Brady, his seventh Super Bowl. He now has more Super Bowls as an individual than anybody else has as a franchise. That is a thing. Man, I, I'll tell you, so I'm, I'm not big on football, but I think most people, including myself, most sports fans – uh, they keep up with what's going on with the Super Bowl and all all the fanfare that goes into that. And, uh, of course, I think you have that being probably the biggest story in sports right now, Tom Brady winning his seventh uh, Super Bowl. And it, it's really crazy. I don't know. It, it's just there's something about the number seven in sports with championships. I, I can rattle you off. Lewis Hamilton in Formula One won his seventh championship this year. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, seven championships in NASCAR, and then they were done. Uh, Tom Brady, now I, I don't know how this is going to correlate to other sports because I can really only speak for motorsports, but I don't know. There's just some something about that number seven. Well, seven has been a little unobtainable when it comes to the NBA. I mean, obviously there's Bill Russell who sort of stands alone with like 11 championships, but other than that, you know, you got Jordan uh, stuck at six Uh, LeBron's, you know, stuck behind that Robert Ori made it there. uh, But he was somehow was survivor and ended up playing for the Lakers and the Spurs at exactly the right time in his life. But it's, There is a little magic around seven. It's just one of those numbers, I think. Now, I want to, in terms of, I guess, the significance or or the the game, because there's not much to talk about because it wasn't a great game. uh, From your experience, when somebody gets to sort of this number, where do you go from there? Uh, especially in a career, in a sport like NASCAR, where you can have a longer career, you know, we see Brady is at an advanced age for football. Like what, what's next? Do the guys still keep chasing it? You know, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, 
when when you hit seven, it, it, you're right. It's like, what do you do at this point? And I think every it really depends on the athlete. It really depends on the each individual and what they choose to accomplish and what they uh, are maybe okay with if they've accomplished everything that they feel like they have. Um, you know, Dale Earnhardt won his seventh championship in 1994 i believe and it took him another four years to win the daytona 500 the only one of his career um you know i I feel an athlete like brady who you know even though he's hit seven and sure he's one of the older quarterbacks in the league and in fact is he the oldest quarterback in the league yes yes so you know somebody like him he he's accomplished everything that there is to accomplish if he's not on the first uh, round first ballot hall of fame the first opportunity that he gets to be in the hall of fame i'll be shocked if he doesn't make it in but um you know it, it really depends on the athlete i think um you know does that competitive drive die uh maybe it does um i don't believe it does but it, it's possible yeah i think like when it comes to brady i'm of two minds about everything like one, I, I get what he's accomplished, but I also look at it from a realistic standpoint of the sport he's in, which is kind of like no other, where literally it's an entire team sport. You need all 52 guys to do their job in order to be successful. This isn't one guy can change the fortunes of your entire team. This is not basketball, where you're going to have one guy, and if that one guy is good enough, then it could – make your team go from the worst team ever to one of the better teams. It's, it's just not like that in football. And he's had some teams that complemented not only what he does as a football player, but made it that much easier or simpler to get to where he wanted to be. I mean, not only like he started off as a game manager in those first couple of years, that first run of Super Bowls, he was a game manager. They had an elite defense and he was, the, he was that, that young quarterback that didn't make mistakes. Then when those defensive players started to retire, they got old. They became more of an offensive team. They added uh, the Randy Mosses and the Wes Welkers and the Edelmans and the Gronkowskis. And later on, they became a, a team that was known for, you know, they can also score and things like that. And then the defense again, that kind of waned. And the defense got better again, like in the last couple of years when they won the Super Bowl, like what they did to the Rams, was it two years ago now? where they won that Super Bowl. So it's like he's been able to change and been able to progress through it, and that's something good. But also he happens to also be at the right place at the exact right time. And then for the other teams, I mean, things just tend to go to shit when they play him. I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but things just tend to go to hell. I mean, look at the Chiefs. They literally, for the good two and a half quarters couldn't even get a first down on third down. They had penalties galore uh, at halftime. It was Kansas city had five penalties for like 40 something yards. And uh, the, the bucks had one for five yards. Like it, it, it's, it's hard to not, it's, it's hard to fail when you have things just go that way. And he's had a history of that. And if we always say that greatness is, a combination of skill and effort, but also luck. You got to have certain things go your way to be great. You got to have things just, you know, the ball bounce your way. And it's happened like that for him. I used to be bitter about it because it's just like, damn, how many times you see this dude? But after a while, you just have to let it go and say it is what it is. Obviously, sooner rather than later, probably he'll be gone, and then you can look forward to the next person that's going to get on your nerves. But at this point, it's kind of <laughs> pointless to to hate Tom Brady. So I'm going to take my, tip my cat. And, uh, you know, he, he won the greatest, one of the most accomplished uh, athletes we've ever had. But I'm going to skip out on the greatest athlete ever because you'd have to actually have some athleticism to uh, pull that off. And it's not much with him. I mean, he doesn't move. Or any of that, I'm not gonna. He's never gonna ever be considered the fastest or the strongest, or even the best arm talent that there's ever been in the National Football League. Because I think the people who throw the football better than him over the history of the league, the Aaron Rodgerses, the Peyton Mannings, you could even throw in Elway and Marino, who I think actually passed the ball better. He has been the most successful. You cannot take that from him. But that's the difference between success and skill. And unfortunately, our society likes to morph the two. 
that where your greatness is intrinsically tied to your success. What did you win? And how often did you win it? And when was the last time you won? Arm talent's such a funny like phrase. I don't think Tom Brady can make all the throws. I think that's the, the, the yeah. thing to grab. No, he's got he's got great arm talent. He can make all the throws. Uh, hand size, you know, uh, all of those yeah. it's the, the the intangibles. You can break it down statistically, though, because the proof is in the pudding. Mm-hmm. People want to throw names like Julian Edelman and put them in the Hall of Fame. When you look at his numbers, they're hot garbage. I mean, they're literally hot garbage. Like, he's had, no. like, maybe Ju- one Julian two- Edelman is in the White Guy Hustle Hall of Fame. You know, that's what it is. It's the, the, the hardworking, blue-collar. You just mean you like him because he's a white guy. He's a worse-looking He's a worse looking Eric Decker. He's plucky. Ain't that the type of crap they use? He's plucky. <laughs> but no, like he never had more than like two 1,000 yard seasons. He's like 160th all time in every statistical category. They're like they want to throw him in the Hall of Fame because they've won all the time. It's yeah. like he, like his, the players he's had are never like outstanding. They just get the job done and they put themselves in a the perfect position. Like they play in a division where literally they're gifted four or five wins every season. You win a certain amount of games, they're automatically going to have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to play a terrible team in that playoff game, and they're almost immediately in the AFC Championship game in New England. That's the way it worked. They had a bye because their division was crash. Then they would play a terrible team that maybe won their division but wasn't any good. Like, do we all remember them playing Tim Tebow in the divisional round? Do you remember them playing a Houston team with – Savage and whoever at quarterback and Osweiler, like that's the type of stuff they got handed to them. How could you not make the championship game? No, but like, like Edelman, he had look at this in 2013, he had 105 receptions. The man limped to like 159 yards, like he was barely getting two yards a catch. But, you know, that's just, you know, it's neither here nor there. You know, when it comes down to it, Brady's greatest skill has always been, it will, has always been and will be his longevity. Yeah. That's, I think, the newest trend in sports. It's how long can you stay playing at the highest level? Because you used to see, you know, very bright 10, 12 year careers, and then the guy would fizzle out three years, 13 through 15. And it was like, ah, you know, just forget the back end of his career. We're not seeing that anymore. We're seeing people who, you know, want to play at the very best and defy age for as long as possible. You're absolutely right. I mean, look at LeBron is the same way. Like, I try to tell people when they they, they had that debate, and we won't get into it here, but, like, they had a debate between him and Jordan and all that. I'm like – Jordan. What sets me apart? <laughs> there go, there go. He's sipping his tea. <laughs> you can't see him unless you're on our live, which is pretty cool. But if Matt was just sipping his tea, I'm just saying the longevity of it. Who's to say Mike would have been that dominant going into like the 2000s, having to play one of some of them Kobe and Shaq teams in the in the playoffs, or if he had to play against an even better defensive um, Sixers team like that one to the finals in 01 that were, like, defensively ridiculous. Like, who's to say that that would have progressed and kept going? In basketball, it is hard where you've seen people be the exact same 16, 17, 18 seasons in. I mean, I look at these numbers. They slowly decline, and you see it. You'll see a 20 and 10 guy like a Garnett and giving you 15 and 7 because he's just not that dude anymore. LeBron is still giving you 27, 7, and 7. <laughs> Like he's it's consistent. Like it like he never aged a day. Well, you know, you know it's funny, my dad. Uh, my dad and I were actually having a very similar conversation. Uh I want to say it might have been like two or three days ago. And we had talked about uh Mark Martin in NASCAR. He is uh is a Hall of Famer, a legend, uh never won the Daytona five hundred, never won a championship. I cannot believe he's never done either because he was so freaking good. Yeah. But what I uh, what I will say is he. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he retired before he actually retired. I mean, he retired after uh, two thousand and seven or no two thousand six. Comes back in two thousand seven. He says he's going to retire again. He comes back. 
He was supposed to retire uh, ahead of the 2012 season. He came back and raced part-time for Michael Walter. Um, so, you know, I, I think so long as an athlete can feel competitive and so long as they are still having fun, I think that is what is encouraging this trend of, you know, athletes continuing in sports. Really, I, I would have expected like Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, uh, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame in two or three years as soon as he's eligible. I promise it. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the things that really bit him is he could have, have had a longer career, but he wasn't having any he wasn't having much fun. He uh, he won his last race three years ago now. And it, it just, you know, when you're not competitive, you're not having fun when you're not having fun. It, it just it starts to get to you, I think. Um, so I, I think that's probably why part of at least why you're yeah. seeing this trend in these athletes extending their careers. Yeah, that's part of it. And then just the, the bare science of it. I mean, the what they've been able to do as far as supplements and the different type of workout regimens. And, you know, we, we all know all the TB12 stuff and stuff he's taking. LeBron is another workout uh, guru like that has a completely different workout plan, it seems, than anybody else. The science that's going into these athletes now is something unlike we've ever seen uh, in sports. So that is allowing people to play longer, be healthier, and, you know, not be able to sustain as as much damage to their body over time. And you see it with, like, early adapters, like a guy like Yarmir Yager. He took, like, three or four years away from the NHL. He played over in Russia, made a bunch of rubles, and then he's like, you know, I've been skating with a weight vest for the last three years. I got ankle weights on, wrist rates. You know, I think I'm ready to come back to the big show. You know, he, he took the time to properly care for himself to, you know, maybe reduce his schedule a little bit to, you know, fully regain his health. And then he came back and played damn near another decade at a high level in his 40s. It, it was pretty incredible. And also, Michael Jordan would have greatly benefited from the modern NBA's hand-checking rules. That, that and, is true. I will give him that credit. That is true. And the man came back and dropped 23 a game with the Washington Wizards. And how many games did they win? Your grandmother's Wizards, right? <laughs> they may have well been the Washington Bullets this team was so. Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. A bona fide scrub. <laughs> uh, does that mean I, I need to be doing some type of hand check rule at the racetrack for Mr. Jordan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, basically, when Jordan played, you were allowed to use like what? One hand. And yeah. then by the time he retired, yeah, it was it. now you can't. Mm, then it's like you're trying to guard somebody with your chest. It's, it's not effective. <laughs> It's not not a good way to guard someone. All right. Now, I actually I had another question about NASCAR that I wanted to ask. How do they practice? Um. So, like in practice. the off season, like what do you, what do you do? You ride around the block. A couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> um. Unfortunately, no. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, practice is actually really interesting because right now many of the races are not going to have any practices. Uh, the drivers have been there for long enough, and NASCAR is really trying to consolidate uh, lessen the risk of exposure due to COVID. Um, so I believe it's like 28 out of the 36 races this year aren't going to have, or maybe it's uh, 26 out of no 28 out of 36 are not going to have any type of practice or qualifying. Uh, typically on a normal race weekend, a practice session is about, uh, an hour, two hours, maybe. And, uh, the drivers are allowed to go out on the track for however long they want of that hour or so. Uh, they come back into the garage, they can, you know, figure out what worked, what didn't work, make any adjustments. And, uh, just, you know, it, it's a very trial and process, uh, a trial and error process. Mm -hmm. Uh, but during the off season is really different. So, uh, you know, I, I can't speak even so much for like five years ago, because this is really a more recent thing than that. Uh, if you guys have heard of iRacing, mm -hmm. it is basically a, an online racing simulator and you can race against real people around the world. 
in the same types of vehicles. And obviously it's all virtual, but it's the mechanics of it are very real. The physics of it are very real. And uh, it's not just for NASCAR. Uh, many, many professional uh, motorsports do this. Formula One drivers, I've, I've seen and heard of doing it. I've heard of IndyCar, IMSA drivers, um, you know, practicing for the Rolex 24, doing a virtual 24-hour race on iRacing. Um, you know, it, it, now it's not like everything, not everything that you get on iRacing can be brought over and will correlate to what you put in your actual race car. But there's a lot of similarity in terms of the way that you get you can get the handling to work very similar. Um, so that that's mostly how guys have been practicing is just through this modern technology. It's really crazy. I've been meaning to try iRacing now for like three and a half months during the off season or two months. The off season is not three and a half months. Yeah. Who am I kidding? Um, but I've been meaning to try it. Haven't gotten around to it. But uh, it, it's really interesting the way that technology has affected nascar and th this is just one of the many ways yeah I, for, for whatever reason i just sort of picture uh i guess you'd be in the cockpit but i would assume you have to have some type of wheel set up at home then right yeah so yeah you, you'll have a wheel and some steering pedals and then you can, uh, you know, every car is different. So you calibrate it different. Uh, you know, as far as NASCAR, what is recommended when you go to do an iRacing, uh, you have a set of pedals, which includes a clutch, because believe it or not, NASCAR cars actually use a clutch. They are manual transmissions. Um, so you'll have that on the ground. You'll have your steering wheel uh, and even a, a, a manual shift, a gear shift. Um, and then you can recalibrate that however it, it fits to the driver's likes. Um, obviously, other racing series are a little bit different. If you're watching the Rolex 24, uh, those cars also manual transmissions, but they use the, the paddles, a lot of them, on the back of the steering wheel so you can uh, get a wheel with the paddles on them. You know, there, there's a lot of equipment out there. Uh, it's very high end and very pricey that I can't afford as a college student. <laughs> you know, I have to pay for classes and other things, but um, it, it, it's you can really put together a, a setup that's super professional inside of your living room. And in fact, there's a an ongoing joke in NASCAR. Denny Hamlin claims to have spent forty thousand dollars on his rig, uh, his iRacing rig. Uh, he's got yeah, it, it's insane. He actually, I think, has. Uh, part of the roll cage, like around, so you know the roll cage where um, the driver's sitting during the race. He's got part of the roll cage around the seat. He's got like an actual seat. Oh, he's he doing too yeah. much. I mean, you could do that when you drive race cars for a living, but he's like, I gotta feel like I'm in it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't afford. There's no thing called i racing on a budget unless you're talking that you have like two hundred dollars to spend. I don't have that right now. Now, I'm a huge sports movie buff. What is the best movie about racing? I'm going that, Days of Thunder. That I haven't seen or... Man. All right. So, this, see, I, I feel like this is a really loaded question because I feel like I have not... I have yet to see the best because I hear Ford versus Ferrari is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I have not seen it, and I've been meaning to watch it, and I have not had time. Um, that's one I got to watch. The other one I got to watch, Art of Racing in the Rain. That is one I definitely need to see. Is that um, the one where Kevin Costner is a dog? I believe so, yes. I know somebody's a dog. I don't know if it's Kevin Costner, but somebody is most definitely a dog in that movie. <laughs> um, you know, as far as the ones I've seen, I think Days of Thunder is probably the classic. Um, it's a little bit outdated, but there are a lot of uh, realistic aspects to that movie. Um my go-to, honestly, is uh, is Talladega Nights. I just think that's, <laughs> it, it's, it's not necessarily realistic, and it's not the first NASCAR movie I'd recommend to somebody, but it, it is such a great movie if you just need a good laugh. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of things that you you know, you know can remember out of there, the, the Jackhawk Jack 9000, um, oh, you know, wow. knife available at Walmart. 
I'm forever uh, saying stuff like, you know, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. <laughs> yeah, wake up in the morning, piss excellence. I mean, there's just a lot of great things that have come out of that movie. Um, I can't see a thing, but I sure do love Fig Newtons. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I you get you guys can't see this right now, but uh, along my walls, I, I have a lot of the uh, like collectible, and I'll just pull one off my nightstand because I have one right here. Uh, collect these collectible die-cast replica cars, mm-hmm. and I've been trying to find one for uh, you know of Ricky Bobby of Ricky the Wonder Bread car. Oh yeah, and yeah. and I finally found one over the summer, and I cannot believe it, it is two hundred dollars. It goes on the aftermarket for. Mm-hmm. I'll set up iRacing for that price. Come on. Uh, what, what about the what about the Old Spice car? Uh, uh, that one, actually, believe it or not, Calnon <laughs> Jr. Yeah, um, that doesn't go for as much. Still pricey, still because I guess they they were a very limited run. They have, um, I think they did five cars out of that movie. They did the Wonder Bread car, uh, Jean Girard's the yeah, 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 yeah. Uh Yeah, uh, Calnon Jr. They did the uh, the Old Spice car. And then Ricky Bobby, they did the uh, the Laughing Clown malt liquor, and then they also did the the me car with the cougar. Yeah. My favorite, but <laughs> my mom going fast. Oh yeah, a oh, rest in peace to Michael Clark Duncan. Oh yeah, don't you I put know. that on me, Ricky Bobby. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good movie. If you need a laugh. <laughs> they try to pry the knife out of his leg with the other knife. Yeah, um, you so know, they cut I, around the meat. Is that I, I don't know. Fire's burning, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's like watching one of those movies, right? Where it, it's it makes NASCAR seem uh, very soft in a way, and I, I won't include Days of Thunder on this, but um, you know, particularly watching. Talladega Nights, you know, it, it, while it is a good movie, I don't think it really accurately depicts the sport. Right, um, right. You know, like I, I'll take for an example, and I, I hate to use this for an example, really. Uh, last year at the end of the Daytona 500, there was a really serious accident mm-hmm. where Ryan Newman's car was almost on fire. And, you know, you're not going to have a driver coming out of a, a crash where they're going airborne and flipping and flying and whatever and stripping down out of their fire suit, you know? Um, yeah. it, it, yeah, it's I mean, neck brace for a bit, right? Uh, I actually, no, he was not. He was out of the hospital and walking in, uh, in two days after the accident, which yeah, I, I still can't believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad he's okay, but that was – I'll tell you, that was some scary stuff. I always, I, at that point, you know, pre-pandemic, um, I, I always come home from college to watch the Daytona 500 with my dad. And uh, I'll get to do that this year. But last year I came home Sunday, the race didn't happen because of rain. So I left on Monday. So that was actually the first Daytona 500. I've not watched around family in, uh, I don't even know how many years, maybe ever. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I remember I had such a long talk with him that night just about, you know, the, the craziness and the safety of the sport and, you know, how, how it is good, but there's still, and I think you can talk about this with any sport probably, is even though safety has evolved so far and has gone so far, you know, there's always that chance. If the right, if, you know, if the right thing happens the right way, at the right time, or I guess I should be using the word wrong, the wrong <laughs> thing happens in the wrong way at the wrong time. I mean, you seriously, no matter what athlete it is, you seriously uh, have a high risk of, you know, of a real big bad injury. Um, so I'm not too fond of the way that that's aged with Talladega Nights, but even still, I think it's a, uh, a uh, it, like I said, it's a good laugh. It's good if you just need to take a night and relax. I'm surprised nobody mentioned cars. Like, what does it matter with you? <laughs> Man, I, well, I, I mean, see, you got to love Lightning McQueen. Oh, yeah. I, actually, I, I, uh, I got the Dale Earnhardt Jr. was, they, you know, over the years, they featured cameos of NASCAR drivers and other personnel in the sport. And, uh, you know, a, along with my massive diecast collection, I'm trying to get a few of those. And I was actually just able to get a Dale Jr. one 
uh, from when he was in Cars 1, uh, and that's sitting right over there. Um, you know, it, it's – and I will say, as an NASCAR fan, Cars 1 uh, was great. Cars 2 never happened. I've never even heard of it. Cars 3, <laughs> the movie, I feel like the movie was not as good as Cars 1, but as a NASCAR fan, I was able to appreciate how much effort that they put into it with the updating of the technology, the, mm-hmm. you know, the coming of the next generation, because that was all very real at the time that the movie came out. And it is still uh, real and it's still a process that is, I-, I think we're towards the end of that big shift that that movie kind of focused in on. Um, but, you know, they, they did a really nice job with the storytelling. One of my favorite uh, scene actually in that movie is when he and some of the older cars go on that run through the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that is very real. The moonshiners, uh, that is how, you know, that's what NASCAR is built off of. All these crazy people trying to sell alcohol during Prohibition and uh, running away from the cops through the woods. I mean... That that is NASCAR. That that is what this seventy year old sport has been built off of. So, um, I really liked it in that sense. I thought historically they did such a great job of touching the roots of American stock car racing. Um, but I wasn't going to mention that. I I don't know why. I just never thought of it. Yeah, great catch by Dubs bringing up cars. And yeah, that, yeah, probably thought of it because it's. I try. Kids look like they're scrambling around. <laughs> now, you had a topic that, and I'm, I'm pointing to Dubs, like, like, like <laughs> the screen. I don't know, so, uh, where you talked about the interview flubs or interview gaffes. Yeah, because the kid, with the story, or the kid, the kid that uh, just interviewed Byron Leftwich, oh, he no. thought he was Todd Bowles, and that's they look nothing alike, by the way, for, for those of you playing at home. But uh, he thought he was Todd Bowles. He started asking about how impressive it was for his defense to stop Patrick Mahomes and shut down that powerful offense. And uh, you can see Leftwich was upset, but he played it off. He played it off very well. He made a big joke about it. Like, that. that's not me. That's not what I do for <laughs> my job. But, um, yeah, I can – I've had people just in my uh, realm covering sports and doing the post game where people have said the wrong name. They've uh, mentioned the wrong sport. I remember covering the, the wings and for some reason they started going into like hockey references. And I'm like, it's lacrosse, not hockey. It's kind of similar, but it's not. <laughs> Sometimes they, uh, they get the coach's name wrong. They put like uh, the wings coach is coach day. They were calling him coach. Hey, and, oh <laughs> coach day. and I'm like, it's not his name. What are you doing? But like, just, be- I would be mortified if I did that on television. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, uh, I just got to interview uh, a boxer, uh, uh, Mansabori uh, Kandi, or Manzo. So this was like I had like three or four of these gaffes because you know he's a one and zero fighter, and there's little to no information like on him on the internet. So first, the lady who gave me his name uh, wrote it as Conti. So I'm looking for this guy, Manzo Conti, and I'm just like, I know this guy's black, right? Like, I know it. But all I'm getting is Italian boxers when I'm trying to Google this person. You were probably thinking of Michael Conti, who composed the music for Rocky. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, I finally, I get him nailed down. I'm talking to him. I got the spelling of his name down. And then so I'm like, so as a southpaw, he's like, oh, yeah, man. I'm oh, sorry about that. Uh, box rack has it wrong. I am not a southpaw. I'm like, damn it. Okay, that's two. <laughs> and then I'm like, so in terms of where you consider your future at the, uh, at the super middleweight division, it's kind of a stacked division. And then he's like, actually, yeah, for my first fight, uh, I fought up two weight classes uh, just because that's where the guy was, and I challenged myself. I'm actually a welter. I'm, I'm actually a super welterweight. Damn it! Okay, that's three. <laughs> yeah, but he he was awesome with it. He he, he rolled with it because he knew the stuff that was out there was limited and incorrect. But that that does frustrate me, and it can really throw off the rhythm. 
because yeah. you're trying to like build a rapport and you're trying to like get to know somebody, especially, you know, cause you haven't, you know, talked to them. It's like, it's almost like a blind date in a way where somebody tells you uh, about somebody and it's like, well, uh, you know, you, you try to bring it up and then they have to correct you. And it's like, Ooh, which is why on blind dates, I always describe myself uh, using adjectives I pulled off of the Chevy website. <laughs> dependable. Right. Torque. <laughs> oh, goodness. Joe, have you had any uh, throat-clenching moments do, uh, during interviews? So you know what's funny? I so I did not get to ask uh, any any of the drivers who I've been with yet a a question because, um, I mean all the journalists just yeah. the, the way it's been on Zoom has been very weird, and I'm still getting used to it. Uh, now I do remember back in 2018, I would I went to the Coca-Cola 600 race weekend, um, and I I just put out a, a tweet, um, you know, saying it's like, hey. You know, I want to work in NASCAR for the rest of my life in media, you know, something along the lines. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see more of what it's about and get some hands-on experience. Where do I start? And the next day I had a reply from the president of NASCAR and he said, I'll DM you. And so he, he hooked me up uh, with one of his media teams and I got to shadow them over the course of the weekend. Um, and one of the, one of the things I remember very vividly about that weekend is being in the Xfinity series post race, uh, conference. I, I do remember I asked uh, Cole Custer something. I don't remember what it was. Um, and I remember he was very, uh, at first he was very like, is he talking about the right person? Like, is he thinking about this? And I was, I'd been referring to something to last year, uh, not 2018, 2017. So that was, that was a little bit strange. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, he, he was very, he was cool about it. And, you know, he understood once I was talking, Oh, he's going back to last season. He knew, um, I, that's one of the things I can't wait to do more. Honestly, is actually get, more interview time with drivers. I'm hoping that comes uh, too with like the pre post-race press uh, that'll be a part of after tonight's clash and all this week during the trucks, the Xfinity and the cup races, um, which is actually probably a good place for me to break. Race time is in two hours. So I got to, I got to get some work done for the race. I'll have an article up tonight after the race ends and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a busy, busy speed weeks. Tell the people where they can find you, Joe. Yes, All how right. can we follow you during this very busy speed week? Yes, so you can follow me on Twitter at Pacero Jr. P-A-S-S-E-R-O-J-R. Uh, follow me on there. I don't really do Instagram, which I probably should get on that. Um, so follow me on there. Check out my articles on lastoutmedianetwork.com under the blogs, other sports, NASCAR. Um, I'll have a lot of content this week, especially uh, I'm going to be doing some live tweeting tomorrow for Daytona 500 qualifying. Going to be doing a lot of live tweeting, live points updates as they roll. Uh, so Twitter's really the main place. Twitter's where you're going to want to get me. And as you are a car guy, close it out. What is your dream car? My dream car is a 1969 Chevrolet Camaro. Ooh, nice. Good answer. Good answer. I got a 2012 sitting in the driveway, yeah. but... <laughs> Those are nice. I like the way they came out that year. It was a good year I, for them. Yeah, 20. Uh, the, I, I like the way they did them from 2010 uh, to 2018, the sixth generation Camaro, or maybe it was the fifth. Uh, those are really nice cars. I love the noses on the cars. Um, mm. I'm not crazy with the direction they went after 2018. Uh, they made the cars look a little bit, uh, ugh, but <laughs> I, won't get in, I won't get into that. I got to go take notes on cars for the next three and a half hours. <laughs> Uh, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's been a blast, and we'll have to do this again sometime soon. All right. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely appreciate it. All right, y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. Yeah. All right, Bobby Dubs, you're closing yourself out now. Where can the people find you? And uh, what have you been doing? Uh, I just been keeping track on the latest news with the Eagles. Of course, uh, if there is a trade, we are on Carson Wentz. Watch. There is a trade. Of course, I'll have the latest, greatest, all the details uh, concerning it. Also, I'll be keeping tabs on the team all, all season long. 
any new acquisitions, any big stories. I'll be covering that. I'll probably have something out this week uh, in regards to uh, what they should do moving forward. Also, you can check my last piece, which is that Carson Wentz does have the right to remain silent. He does not have to speak. Uh, it's not a big deal that he doesn't speak, so you can check that out. If you want to find me, uh, you can find me at Robo the Writer on Instagram. You can find me Young Spud, uh, uh, Young Spud 85 on Twitter. And uh, you can look up Rob Whitney on Facebook. It's on Facebook. That's where you can also find uh, the link to the videos and see all our live feeds as well as going to Work the Radio Pod on Twitter. Um, and that's about it. Oh, yeah. And go get the book. Uh, over hurt. It's on Amazon paperback digital. I have another book. It's in the works. It's called <laughs> Just Play. I'm detailing the history of politics and sports since the very beginning. This is nothing new. Now we want to have this whole thing about people having to shut up and dribble or just shut up and play. So I'm letting you know that this is not nothing new. This is something that's been going on since the history of sports. It's always been intermingled with politics, and uh, that's my next project. That should be out sometime in the spring. So make sure you get hope over her and look out for Just Play. That'll be good. Definitely going to be looking forward to that one. We just found out that sometime co-host Vince Quinn will be dropping an article on the site tomorrow. So we definitely yeah. want people to be on the lookout for that. No Carson Wentz news. Apparently, Super Bowl LV had some ugly numbers. Uh, the viewing audience was the lowest it's been in the last fifteen years. Yeah, once the once the I mean, I guess one thing the writing was on the wall. Like if you paid attention to the sport, you paid attention to football, and you saw what was going on, and kind of the writing was on the wall for it to be kind of one sided. Especially mm-hmm. with KC's offensive line issues, it was like if he's going to be on the run and he can't sit in the pocket and make those ridiculous throws, they're going to struggle, and this game could go really bad really quickly. And it did. And then they also take into account in those ratings when people change the channel and don't come back. Yes, and, and a lot of people change the channel. Yep, yeah. and Plus the, uh, tennis was on. So. Close yourself out with your dream car. My dream car. Hmm. Let's see. Okay. All right. Mine is the 1995 Porsche 911. Car from Bad Boys, black one. I love that car. <laughs> that is a good one. The 90s. Oh, yeah. oh, the Limited edition. <laughs> no cup holder, no back seat. <laughs> Man, that's a hell of a car. All right. I am Matt Marate. You can find me at mmaratea22. That's M-M-A-R-A-T-E-A-2-2. That's Twitter. That is Instagram. That is untapped if you'd like to know what I'm drinking. Um, I just put out a story about why the Flyers are currently paused right now until about Sunday. Uh, Recently did an interview, which I just referenced, with uh, Manzo Kandi. That's been up for little uh, last three, four days. That's something uh, interesting to read if you want to get to know a future world champion in the making, if I do say so myself. Um, probably going to be looking to do something about the Phantoms, uh, jumping in with different sports. I have opinions that are growing. I'll probably try to beat Rojas to something about the Australian Open, just to be a <laughs> dick about it. Uh, and... As always, my uh, dream car, 1967 Ford Mustang, fastback. I don't want it in like the gray color, right? Not the the standard Mm -hmm. Nick Cage one. I want it in a ruby red, right? To the point where... It's like it's you could confuse it for a maroon. It's almost shading towards purple. Oh man, that is sweet. Yeah, 1967 Mustang Fastback. It's between that on. I was I was obsessed with the the bullet car for a little bit, but the Eleanor that that was just the, that was the first one that that's the original. 
<laughs> All right. I was say a metallic mint green 1963 Buick Skylark. <laughs> Tires 75R14. <laughs> Does it come with 1992 Marisa Tomei? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, that's it. that's it for us. This is right the radio. Uh, black hearts on my card again. At the crib, telling your girl that we should order in. And tell G to put his feet up on the ottoman. We just up against a bunch of rappers. I go harder than damn. I'm so Katrina smarter than.